You're listening to Parodi, coming at you live. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Auto D Show here on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Network Studios, broadcasting from high above Camelback Road in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, and today my guest is an Arizona-based singer-songwriter and guitarist by the name of Tim McDonald. Tim started the band Broken Poets and has an interesting YouTube channel that uh, I want to talk to him about. So uh, he'll be with us right after this first cut from the Fervor Records catalog by a band called Broken Bellows, and this tune is called Waitin'. Check it out. Listening to Auto D coming at you live. 
And that was Waitin' from the Broken Bellows here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you by the lovely folks at Fervor Records. Be sure to check them out at fervor-records.com. And if you want to reach me, go to autod.com. That's O-T-T-O-D.com. Or download the Auto D app in your app store. In the meantime, let's chat with singer-songwriter Tim McDonald from the Broken Poets. So, hey, welcome to the show, Tim. Hey, Otto, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for driving in and taking the time to chat with me for a little absolutely, bit. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, uh, I wanted to ask you before we get into it uh, to, to expand on something. In your uh, website, you mentioned the Broken Poets as a band that is, quote, New York-launched but Phoenix-based. Can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, so uh made a decision in... Um, <laughs> from living out here in the nineties and when everything was like really happening with Jim Blossoms and all mm-hmm. the man, that was dead a, hot workshops and all the, the bands. Yeah, man. And it was pretty, pretty great. And it was going great for a while. And then it kind of fizzed and everything moved to, uh, uh, I think everything had already moved to Seattle too. Mm-hmm. Was like, this was another scene going on here, but yeah, I was just like, I really need to make a change and just decided I like the New York attitude, you know, no bullshit. And so we just, loaded up the truck and <laughs> moved to Beverly. <laughs> there you go. And uh yeah, so moved out there and really learned a lot. Just uh amazing. Got with some great studio musicians and started Broken Poets. Our first gig was at the Bitter End, which is could be apropos. I'm not done yet, but <laughs> <laughs> but we're close to the Bitter yeah, End. Well, you could be. Yeah, Feels yeah. Feels that yeah. way. That's where you get the, all the pain for the material. As long as you're close to the Bitter End, you right, can keep right. going. Which yeah. is a cool club. It was really fun and just knowing I was playing these clubs that Dylan and those guys played, it was yeah, pretty awesome. So, but we moved there in 2000, and uh, and then boom. Yeah, so 2001, we had a year and a half. They always say it takes like two years to get settled in anywhere, and we were a year and a half, and things were happening. And uh, I had like a spec deal with uh, Skyline Studios there, and I was recording with these great musicians, and and then uh, yeah, the the bottom fell out there. Mm. I had a gig booked at CBGBs, and then when 9/11 happened, I was so depressed i couldn't even play that gig i to this day i i regret that move but what are you gonna do sorry about that i just hit the table the desk is it's a drum <laughs> we use a drum <laughs> for microphones nice, nice sound there yeah and the metal arms you know, and then like bing it's like really, really nice so it's a musical space exactly you know well you know it's, when that happened i think everybody was impacted obviously with schedules yeah, especially man. in the entertainment business business with new york city mm-hmm. i was about to do a record with uh it was with soulfly hmm. and roadrunner records was in in manhattan and when everything went down, that part of the city was cut off. Mm. And we were, we were at the point where, okay, great. We're starting on Monday. Great. So all we're waiting for is the deposit check from the label. Great. Boom. Mm. And now for two weeks, we don't know if anyone's alive right, or right. what's going on. And it was, a, it was a crazy, scary time. Yeah. It was just, you know, I mean, it's just so, it's so selfish sounding to sound. Well, the bottom dropped out, man. And we, we weren't doing good with our band, you know. I, I don't mean that way as much as I just mean it just once that happened, you, it seems so irrelevant. Music right. music was just like, oh, well, yeah. who cares? We were just like, we got to survive here. So Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, obviously a horrific event that everybody uh, had to watch that wasn't involved. Right, right. But it had such far-reaching implications. Yeah, you know, yeah. As much as we just, were right there, I knew everybody was with us. Yeah, know. and as far away as we were, it changed our lives. Yeah, you know, yeah uh, exactly. Beyond the, the tragedy for all the people involved. Right. Um, and so, it, in fact, uh, we, I was talking with somebody recently who said, um, 
you know, that was when the record companies kind of underhandedly took the opportunity to rewrite the money mm-hmm. arrangement for live shows. And nobody like was looking. People were getting paid so much, and all of a sudden, they used that as the excuse to say there's no money, and pay just oh went my straight God. in the tubes for all the live touring guys. I didn't even hear that. And, uh, no, I hadn't either. I'll have to look into that. So. <laughs> but I thought it was an interesting point, because I thought, yeah, it wouldn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, what, then did you head back to Phoenix? So, yeah, point? and then the, the funny story is that... Uh, my next, my wife's been very good about uh, keeping me in line, and my next great move was going to be to move to <laughs> was going to be to move to New Orleans, which five years later was Katrina. So I was like following disasters and <laughs> around the country. I don't know what was going on there, but man, you know. Uh, but she, we tried Austin, that didn't work. We tried uh, New Orleans, you know, just driving through, and both mm-hmm. those places just didn't feel like us. So came back to Arizona, and man, I I grew up here. And the the words uh, Paradise Valley were part of my, you know, just yeah. in my mind. And I never really put the words together or even thought about it. When I got back from living on the East Coast for two years, I'm like driving down. There's like palm trees and it's like Paradise Valley. I get it. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's so easy to live here. It is paradise here, really. I, yeah. I, we've been here since then and um, thought of moving to L.A. a few times. But every time we go over, it's so uh, congested. We're just, you know, along with everything else. Now you mentioned that your wife was with you on all of these moves. Is she in the group? Or are you guys She's, together? Yeah, I, I would say Broken Poets at this point is just the us two. two. Yeah, okay. you know how it is keeping bands together. and We've never been able to really pay anybody. So I do more of a production, uh, you know, and we do a, a duo. And we were lucky enough to have uh, Curtis Grippy, which we recorded at Curtis STEM. Curtis great. Yeah, yeah, and he played with us a couple gigs, and that just totally spoiled us. And then he's so busy, you can't <laughs> get know. him. Isn't and that after the worst? two gigs with him, and then we played this last gig, which I mentioned in the trailer, and it was like, we're done. <laughs> yeah. we're As a duo, we had it kind of down, we thought, but it's just so low-key. Well, yeah, I guess you'll ask me about that. But, uh, and when you, know. you get to play with session guys, for the, you know, leave the studio and go to the stage with session guys uh, like Curtis, yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, you talk about spoiling. I was just like floating on air playing with him, so it was great. Yeah. I played with a lot of good drummers, though, so mm-hmm. not to disparage anyone. What's your else. favorite uh, outfit to play with in terms of band size? Do you, do you prefer a duo thing in an intimate space, or do you like four or five guys? And what's the. Yeah, it's just really hard to get a, a cohesive unit together that where everybody's on the same page, and it's only happened a couple times. And so I started with uh, our band in the 90s here, was looking for Aldous Huxley. Mm hmm. And uh, which is, was a very brave move at the time, a very intuitive move. But I loved uh, Toe the Wet Sprocket. Right. So I was like, if they can call their band that. You know? right. And I had this thing like I was learning about Huxley. And the only way you can find him was through the work that he created here while he was here. You know, he did something inspiring while he was alive. And I'm like, that's, that's what I'm doing with a band. And so uh, I started that band with Matt Myers. And we hit it off because my sister's Lori McDonald and his brother's Joe Myers. So we're like, we got to do something, man. <laughs> we got to catch up. So we started that and and uh, brought in a bunch of other great players. Long story short, and had a had a pretty good run here for a while. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and then what you got coming up? Uh, so uh, coming up, we're uh, I've launched this channel and just trying to do my best uh, with this uh, YouTube channel, which is a whole new yeah. whole new thing let's, for me. Let's talk a little bit about that because uh, I think that's probably how you and I. Uh, let's say officially cross paths. You've yeah, been yeah. here a lot. I've been here forever, and it's like we just haven't really crossed paths. We know all the same people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then um, somebody who was it that reached uh, out? Ken Smith. I wanted to throw oh, a okay, shout out to right. him. Yeah, because he's uh, 
good Facebook friend. We have Facebook friends these days. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've met. I'm not sure, but thanks, Ken, for passing my uh, yeah. Because uh, Ken was trailer. like, "Hey, you should have Tim on your yeah, show." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so. and a lot of people say stuff, but I'm always reaching out for people who should I have because I, mm-hmm. I like interesting stories and meeting people. And so, uh, you know, I clicked on the link mm-hmm. and I stumbled onto your YouTube channel. Yeah, cool. and I watched the video and I'm like, "Holy cow! I got to talk to this guy." Yeah. <laughs> I got <laughs> I got lucky. These days, uh, you know, it just seems that there's so much going on for in terms of competition for musicians and artists to mm-hmm. get your attention mm-hmm. that you see more sponsored posts on social media relating to here's how you can make it. That's, yeah, that's yeah, more yeah. today than, than ever because there's no way to make it. Everyone is struggling to try to find a way and what they found is the best way to make it is to sell somebody a way to make it. But um, ultimately, you were creating your own path that made sense for you doing yeah. something I had never ever seen anyone do so you called it uh what was it music for music for the melancholy music for the melancholy so that ties back to like I've, I've been on this path and journey as most musicians in town are on we're all trying to you know work our way to reach bigger venues to reach more listeners and I've been on this path with uh you know me and Lana and we've done these production I've been producing records for the last 10 years locally and I love doing that. And then we'd play out and we've just been at this bar level and nothing against the bars. They're great. But my music is just so, I mean, I guess you're going to play some of it. (laughs) You haven't heard it. I'm going to put people. But it's very, as upbeat as I am, my stuff's very, very melancholy. And I've always followed my intuition and followed my gut about, you know, my writing which is uh, you know a huge miscalculation. I'm just going to do what I want. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want, man. But that doesn't mean everybody's going to like it, you know. Right. Well, so, there's there's where you get the choice. You can do what you want, which makes you feel great, or you can do what everybody likes, right. which you don't like to do. But you know? I was just focused in this uh, trying to do what I've always thought. That's what you do. So I've been trying to be dead hot workshop for 20 years, <laughs> you know, and I just couldn't, I couldn't see what was going on. And I actually spent the last five years trying to be a better performer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I really worked hard at that. I was watching, you know, my sister's amazing with people and she's just having a great time. You see her, you see like people like Walt Richardson, they're just enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was always playing sad music, melancholy music and being uptight in between the songs. And, and apologizing yeah, for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, so I just started to realize, you know, that might be what's wrong and started to work on it. And I got better right away. I'm like, I'll just use my regular personality. I'm not going to just, I get so consumed with the music up there that everybody feels in its tense. And, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of these people you're trying to reach as new listeners. They're sitting at the bar having a drink and they don't want to, you know. Yeah. I have my motto is, uh, you know, uh, people go to bars to, forget and my music makes you remember (laughs) so i was always in this position where we're never getting the following we need to move up to crescent ballroom or any of these places where you can play and these clubs you're not doing them any favors to play their club if you don't bring anybody yeah so i mean and and also you look at all these bands there's thousands of bands that are doing it well Crescent's filled, you know, every night of the week with hundreds of people coming. I I don't believe this whole thing where people aren't going out anymore. Oh, no. People are going out. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a great excuse, but, you know, it's also, and it might be true that they're not going out to bars. Right. 
but uh, the whole thing where you're in this band and you're playing in this bar and the bar is cool and people start coming and then it builds up and then the, the bigger club in town invites you over because you're doing so well. Or you go play and open up for some great band that you're, you know, oh, wow, we're going to open up for them and all their fans are going to love us. That never happens. So this has been going on for years. Yeah. Yeah. And I finally got to the point where it's just not working for me and I got a... Uh, I just started realizing I got to reinvent, you know, what I'm doing here. Well, you have to kind of find your own connection point to to your fans because that bar scene isn't where, number one, even where your fans want to enjoy you. Exactly. Because that's not what you do. Mm -hmm. When when they go to the bar, they go out in the evening, they are looking for something generally a little more uplifting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I wouldn't go listen to me. But they'd want you play. <laughs> Maybe not Friday night, you know, with all your drinking pals. But once you, you but, could do a venue and people would come and if they know you already. Yeah, exactly. You can do a venue show and it's like they come to listen to that style but, of music. But the other thing is they they want to hear your music at other times mm-hmm. during the day. Whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so they want the music. It's not a music right. issue. Right. It's that that environment isn't where they exactly. want to connect with you. Right. And that was something you had to come to terms with. And yeah. I thought it was interesting that you created. A new connection point, a new and place. I, and honestly, I have no idea what I'm doing because I'm following my intuition. That my intuition gave me that name, music for the melancholy. And and contrary to that, is like my ego has been managing me for <laughs> for years. It's the horrible. It's the horrible manager. It's like the flight <laughs> of the concords level manager. And yeah. it just it's just stayed in the same safe place where this is what you do no i've already done that no i'm not going to do that and this is why nobody's showing up this is and you just so sure yourself so when i dropped all that and just uh uh just let go and and been meditating a lot too by the way and just started like saying what if i couldn't do the same thing anymore and then all this stuff started coming you're already doing these videos i do these videos where i'm not in it which Mm -hmm. is nobody ever really got right so i thought if i make a trailer and explain what i'm doing which is i kind of do so yeah anyway uh, so how can people find these what's the best way to search them on youtube so youtube it's uh, broken poets music for the melancholy okay and basically they're you know i've just started so i've got like six seven videos uh and and then i'm doing a lot of my stuff through my uh uh career has been had the backdrop of personal growth stuff because I had a lot of addiction issues when I was younger it's been a long time but it's always been that personal growth I'm always trying to better myself my life and and uh so that's always been behind and I couldn't bring that up in the bars either but here I basically I'm creating my own venue your own bar yeah and then saying you guys you know when you're done drinking you come in and listen to this I I got this smart tv Mm -hmm. and it defaulted to all these options to watch and one of them is youtube and when you popped it on youtube it didn't know me yet musically. I hadn't have any past history of selections. Right, right. right. And one of the first things it presents to you is some pretty girl on the image, and it's house music, and it's a two-hour <laughs> video. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what is this? It's a music video. So I'm yeah, watching yeah. it. And all of a sudden, I find there's this whole series of these uh, videos these guys have done where they take a drone, and they're pretty fen- friends, and they go to the prettiest places in the world, uh-huh. and they just film everybody on yachts and on the beaches and in swimming pools and this unbelievable scenery yeah, with yeah. just kind of gentle mid-tempo house music, this right, nice right. background music. And I thought, these guys are getting millions of views and getting paid. Uh, yeah. And in a sense, what you're doing is the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's on a little bit mellower side, but you'll end up with enough pieces of content mm-hmm. that when someone can come to your channel and have 20 videos that are all beautiful scenery, mm-hmm, beautiful mm-hmm. imagery with this kind of mellow music, 
you're gonna it's gonna find its audience there. I think that's the place for it. That's cool. You yeah. just keep growing it and allow it, you know, and do a little bit of marketing on it. And I think that's really the place for you to be. The idea for me came from just driving around when I was younger. I listened to my favorite song and I'm like, just that's the video in front of you in your car as you're driving. The trees going by. Everything's rhythmic and. Uh, it matches the scene mm-hmm. and you feel what's going on in the whole, like your life becomes the video for the song. And there's a lot of people that I see doing great videos with them in it. And it's not like there's, that's the end of that, uh, you know, angle to approach a video, but um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. I just, I just see that basically for me, I had walked along the, uh, railroad tracks <laughs> as many times as I was gonna. There's only so many cliches that I, I right. was like I and I'm not even my most of my music isn't even really necessarily about me. It comes out more of a you know observational about the story. Yeah, and... so it's like the images fit better than mm-hmm. me, me holding another you know strat or something. I hear you. Well, listen, let's play one. Um, okay, is same soul a good cut to yeah? To sure. Play? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that song. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's like my message from my higher self or something. It's almost my stuff. I, I really. I read an article with you, and you mentioned something I very rarely hear from artists that you say that the song writes itself. Hmm. I really, I really like that and totally agree with it. And it's, it's been my. You know, I, I I've equated it down. I think I'm like twenty percent to the eighty percent of my, you know, intuition or higher self, which gives me the song. And I'm like, I can. As my ego, I can take credit for the twenty percent. I'm very proud yeah. of that. But uh, but man, it really does write itself. And this one's yeah. another example. It just like felt like my soul was speaking to me. So and is this one of the tunes that is also represented by a video on your YouTube channel? Yep, yep, that's on there too. Same soul and uh, sounds and, very woo woo. Sorry, I, no, don't worry about. It. Hey, <laughs> forget about it. So who's all it's on this soul, track? Man. So Lana's playing piano. She's beautiful. She's classically trained and. Uh-huh from uh, you know when she grew up in Moscow and it's strange how her their whole sensibility over there is very very melancholy and it fits my music just perfectly and then I got uh, you know Curtis Grippy playing drums I just did this last record with him and um, uh, Thomas Laufenberg engineering and uh, yeah so that's kind of the band but it's more of a production project but mm-hmm. yeah it's I'm back in there doing a um, talk about what we're doing now we're doing a an EP uh, uh, coming up so anyway mm-hmm. so you're singing on this track and you're playing what and i'm singing playing guitar and um yeah that's it all right cool well, let's check it out this is same soul from tim mcdonald here on the auto d show Just the same song 
listen to the voice that comes tonight Don't believe me It's you that makes the shadow, not the light And you can't deceive me And I'll still hold this place inside your heart Stumble upon me The sooner that you face Just who you are Then you might know me I know I'm not God No, I'm not love No, I'm just the same Listening to Auto D coming at you live. Hey everybody, I'm your host, Otto Daniolo. Often people I meet seem confused about what it is I actually do for a living. All I can say is grab my app. It's free in your app store. Just search Auto D. That's O-T-T-O-D. And then you'll have my whole story, from trumpet to guitar to platinum records and the movie business. In the app, you can stream my music. View a constantly updated concert schedule and even land work on one of my projects because that's where I post the job opportunities. You can also stream this podcast and stay on top of all the projects I'm involved in. Check it out and share it with the creative people in your life. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get back to the interview.
And that song was Same Soul from Tim McDonald and Broken Poets here on the Auto D Show. Great track. Thanks, man. I love it. I don't know what you're talking about. It's very sad. It is a little sad, but it's nice. <laughs> That's my thing, man. You, you do sad really well. <laughs> but the production's great. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I'm proud of that record. So It's very cool. And, and that's uh, you've done a number of records, and you yeah. did a self-titled EP way back uh, in 2011 that we'll talk about in a minute. But before we go that far back, in 2015, I read, you completed an, what you referred to as an autobiographical music book project yeah. called The Death of... Uh, or excuse me, for the death of Dustin Essary. For the death of Essary. Dustin Essary, that was one of my what is that uh, great ideas to, that took five years, and uh, you know I wondered if I was ever going to finish it. But uh, I grew up here in Phoenix on Forty Fourth and Camelback, and I had a great friend. This this guy was just beyond his years. At like we're both thirteen years old, and he was just my best friend. And he ended up dying of bone cancer at 13, if you can imagine, Aww. you know, like we've lived our life up until now and just imagine all that being erased. And, and at 13, I had no idea what death was. I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff, but I, that's how kind of the, you know, I've realized recently that that book was very cathartic because I realized that's kind of how I started writing. So I, I got into Kansas left overture and mm-hmm. just all this melancholy kind of prog rock stuff and and got my sister gave me a guitar and i started writing at that point and i've been writing sad shit ever since <laughs> but uh what was the cl- oh the, the book the, the yeah, book so-, so my great friend dustin basically started my music career by you know unfortunately he, he's uh passed but i wanted to pay a tribute to him and and um yeah the the, the family found uh the book uh ed masley covered it and and the uh, paper and the family, I was trying to find them to kind of get their approval. Mm -hmm. And they ended up uh, showing a distant cousin showed up at the show and it was like seeing a ghost in the audience. He's like, you knew Dustin. And um, we both, uh, you know, talked about him and uh, it was just, it was, it was pretty awesome. But so, so the book idea basically is I was trying to combine my music with um, the story and it's basically the story of you know me hanging out with Dustin, and it's uh, autobiographical fiction. But um, yeah, it took a long time to do it well, and I, I'm real proud of it. But I, I released it online, so it's interactive online. As you read the story, you can go through the lyrics, and then this you're reading the story, and then it leads to the song, and you read the lyrics and and play the song, and then it kind of just keeps it should keep you going with the story. And so that worked, and then since then I, I got it in print, and and uh, yeah, man, just interesting. How many songs are involved in the novel? Uh, I I kind of took you know uh, my pick out of certain songs that I've written through the last ten years that I felt were good enough, and one of them was uh, for the death of Dustin Essary, so that tied in. But uh, yeah, probably about five or six, including the record. And then we did a new um, a new. Uh, uh, you know, just a single that mm-hmm. went along with it. So, well, if this isn't too, you know, lighthearted for that point, let me add that at Forty Fourth and Camelback was one of my favorite Italian restaurants. <laughs> I remember that place, La Fontanella. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, I love that spot. And they it closed tore it down, down a few yeah. years ago, and I was like, no. It's the big that that corner was so cool back then, and I think that restaurant was there, and uh, that big Circle K building was yeah. gone. It was a little Circle K. Right. Uh, just a you know a jack in the box, mm-hmm. a shell station, and and a little park there, and we just 
hung around there and uh, they built a tower over it. Yeah, yeah. So and actually for the cover of the book, I wanted to get the original corner. So Lana paints beautifully. So oh, cool. I took a picture of that and I made her take out the building of the corner and kind of just paint a little mixed thing that you can kind of see the, the old way, circle k up there you know the way it used to be yeah yeah so that was pretty neat but. that's pretty cool now you mentioned that, that she plays piano for you and that yeah, she's yeah. also classically trained and that she's a painter yes and you, i think you mentioned she's from moscow and she's a filmmaker she does and she's, her, a filmmaker. And she's she's pretty amazing yeah so well, how did you guys cross paths uh you know we met here as musicians through other friends and and um, yeah, so she's from Moscow. I got to go to Moscow and see what that you mentioned. I think when we were talking off, off air that you've been there, and that was yeah, a it huge, was a trip. That's a huge uh, influence uh, to go to some place like that and see how, you know, people are very nice there. It's like completely. You can see now, especially nowadays, you just realize that it's all governments arguing yeah, and bickering, exactly. and people are all the same everywhere you go. It's like people, you know. Yeah, they just get try along. to get along until they, they have to yell. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. Stop what you're doing up there because this is a problem. Exactly. But she's added just a beautiful uh, um, part of my – she's made part of my sound for the last, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years at least. So, Well, I read, too, that you had a uh, – oh, let me sc- scroll back up my notes here. Uh, Svetlana mm-hmm. was a Russian pianist. I guess that's Lana's name, Svetlana. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. And she goes by Lana, and I told her, don't take my name. Because it's Lana McDonald. <laughs> I said, you don't realize it sounds like Ronald McDonald. Don't do it. <laughs> I am doing it. I am doing it. I'm telling you this is a name that goes in American culture. It will fit fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> she knows I make. That's uh, funny. I mock her, and she mocks me, too. So oh, that's funny. Even. Well, you know, when I went to, uh, the only time I was in Moscow was in 1989. Mm-hmm. And so it was an interesting time. I, I the uh everything hadn't quite fallen down it was just about to fall down Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and um so it was getting pretty loose Mm -hmm. so you know it was a little more casual i actually did sneak some rubles out of the country where six months earlier they would have thrown me in jail and going through my pockets no kidding but uh so it was kind of um but then everything changed you know immediately afterwards but it was it was the people i found when i was there were wonderful Mm -hmm. and a funny thing happened we were in a hotel restaurant big hotel uh, hotel turista where all the, mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. put everybody who's visiting in a nice place so but uh this band was playing on this little stage didn't you know it's all russian music or and polkas and stuff and yeah I didn't the polkas are funny then they start playing hey jude yeah yeah in english and i'm like oh hey they can speak english right, right. and i get up and i start to bolt toward the stage so I can talk to these guys. Uh-huh. And then I hear a couple lines that are so wrong. They're just <laughs> like, the syllables are close. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, it's a, they're sonically doing this. They don't really. Okay, turn around. Go back That's to your funny. Seat. Lana's got these amazing stories about how they, well, it's not, it's very sad, but they had banned, they couldn't listen to anything there, the Stones or the Beatles. But So they were doing bootlegs mm-hmm. and they would make them out of the vinyl was, was the uh, x-rays of like bone you can see like a lung and shit on the vinyl <laughs> but that's what they were pressing the vinyl out x-ray uh wax wow. you know yeah if that's you get a hold incredible. of one of those man like a like an old beatles record uh pressed on uh uh you know some x-ray from doctor's x-ray back there but that's the yeah and she she knew all and they'd get like bootleg you know tapes and they were they she was fluent with all american music when i met her so that's pretty wild yeah Crazy man, and the world changes. The no kidding, changes. So, how long has she been here? So she's been here. You know, we've been married twenty-two years, and uh, 
God, makes me old. <laughs> I realized I'm old the other day when I, I a fly <laughs> landed on my sandwich and I said, get out of here. And I realized I'm like one step away from get off my lawn. <laughs> get off my lawn. Get off I'm going to turn sandwich. into that guy. Get off my sandwich. I'm going to turn into that guy guy pretty soon but until well, i'm there i'm gonna do this well YouTube that's the thing show. you know you get to be you get to be everybody you get to be the bratty kid you get to be the troubled teen you get there you to go. be the responsible adult and you get to be the old guy exactly screams. you get it all man right right you know this is funny so i wouldn't worry about it but uh so now let's go let's go back to your first record okay. so uh or before we actually i guess before we leave the book where where's the best place for people to find that so uh a music com is the original which is pretty interesting the uh, Cindy Hayton's a great, great uh, web designer who I had her design this. So it, as you're reading the book online, it's interactive and you just go through and she makes it turn from, you know, color to black and white and just all sorts of cool stuff. And a music novel.com. A music novel.com. And it just, um, you know, you'll see Lana's painting there and you just go into it and all the songs are uh, free and you can read the first chapter for free. And if you like it, then it, you can subscribe to the website so what a great url yeah the i think there's there was one other person that had a, a music novel they were working on and they never finished it and i was racing the five-year mark to try to get it out before somebody else did and i thought man this is so this is so different it's gonna really and it's like cacophony of crickets <laughs> i mean i've family and friends love it and i've met a lot of new you know uh listeners that like it but mm-hmm. you know you, you hope a new idea will you know well, the, it, carry can, on it can, but as creators, I think that right. we have a habit of making stuff and uh-huh. then putting it in the room and going and making something else. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows it. Yeah. Oh, well, I've moved on. Yeah. So I think that I the, tried to promote it pretty the, fiercely for did about you? two months, but two months. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, they, you know, when, when people come up with a budget, I would ask them, how much do you plan to spend on making your record, for example? Yeah. yeah. And they give you a figure and there's never a penny in it for marketing. So you ask, well, mm-hmm. how much for marketing? And they're like, well, what do you mean? And it's like, well, yeah. 90% of your budget should be marketing. Yeah, exactly. So if this is the recording part, you need nine times more and just the, to tell people it's out there. It's another big, uh, interesting thing. Cause you, you growing up and coming up in the nineties, it was always like, you're going to get signed and just that mindset gets soaked into where they're going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. And then you start to realize what, and as independent artists, we should be thinking what, how are you hearing these bands that you think are so cool that you're the only one that hears about them? You're hearing about them somehow mm-hmm. and it's not just random. Mm-hmm. And they just come up in your site. People know, like you said, Google. These guys just know Sponsored. exactly what you are interested in, or whatever. And they they basically yeah. feed you the next uh, band. Which that's the whole thing. Indie indie music cracks me up because it's it's hardly indie. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know that's just another way to to market things. Is, do you think you'll write another book? I'm see. I'm that's another kind of. I started segueing the older I've gotten. I've I've segued into writing. I write short stories, so I'm finding that's even harder. <laughs> that's harder than music, man. Why, why is it harder? Just you're just the. You brought it up off air about that that there's so much competition out there because of the production levels that you can reach just by yourself at home. So there's so you know the the, the voice is so loud mm-hmm. that it's hard to. Um, you know, you're submitting to magazines that um, are getting thousands of, you know, short stories. And you hope yours. And that was really threw me off, too. I, I got this. I don't even know if this is real or not, but I, I've submitted, you know, mm-hmm. here's my ego. I, this story's great, man. And I submitted the, a short story out of my book to The New Yorker. 
Now, who am I to think I'm going to get in the New Yorker? <laughs> but I got a freaking uh, what's called a respectful decline, mm-hmm. dear Tim. And I have I'm going to put this on my wall from yeah, the New Yorker. Right. And my ego flew through the roof when I got that, and I thought, I'm in, man. I'm going to write. It's a respectful decline. So that, and I started looking online and and realizing, you know, that's your in, you know, because there's a lot of famous writers that got a respectful decline uh-huh. and they can get in. So now I'm realizing it was probably an intern that felt sorry for me. <laughs> <laughs> because I wrote this new short story that I thought was going to kill him, and crickets, man. Yeah, I think it's just they're, it's they're protecting their own reputation in the marketplace. They don't yeah. if they don't respond to you, you'll quit reading. Yeah, so yeah, like, that too. Send them yeah, a letter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be gentle. And then I realize I'm not even a New Yorker writer. They're they're way too sophisticated for me, and I think they like the story enough to say keep keep yeah. writing, kid. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I still I write, and that's another. Um, I'm, I've got a lot of short stories out there, so I'm mm-hmm. hoping to be published and segue that into my music. Cause my writing, you know, a lot of the stuff I write about is music related, which, you know, you mentioned Lana's a filmmaker. Yes. Have you guys worked together on a film where you're doing music or where your stories are involved or helping her with stories? She's promised to put one of these songs and the next song you play, I'll, I'll, uh, if if you play another song, we'll. Uh, Are you kidding? I'm not, there's not another I chance. Can, I'm playing can, another one. Just of your play songs. one, okay. yeah, exactly. But the next song I, I'm hoping she puts or? is like where the credits go down. I've always dreamed to have oh. my song at the end of the credits. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an easy play. She can she can do that. Yeah, play. It, I hope so. Maybe so. after the credits are finished. Yeah. Can, yeah. So and the the story she's uh, I'm I'm never gonna do it justice, but uh, she's uh, Madame Blavatsky is the movie that she's producing now and she's editing it herself and. Yeah, she's pretty. She's pretty impressive. Anybody that ever, my whole family, she's like the rock star in our family now. And like I'm out, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's she's awesome, and yeah, hopefully she'll place me in her movie. Cool, <laughs> awesome. Well, which song would you like me to play? So this agnosticism is, is okay. Uh, yeah. So this is the one you're kind of pitching yeah. for the credits, you know? Yeah, exactly. Want to give him a break? He's a young singer songwriter, right, still right. striving to get there. And this is like a 20 minute song, so we'll see you later. It's uh, that's fine. Well, actually, it's a little longer. All of your songs are long. Like the short one's five ten. <laughs> I'm stalling, man. The long one's five fifty. Yeah, yeah, I got to take a break, man. But here's what we'll do: we'll spin about half of it, and then I might turn the mics back up, and we'll see what happens. Nice. So check it out here on the Auto D Show. This is another track from Tim McDonald called Agnosticism. Oh, perfect for movie credits. I start out Is there anything I should have known In the shadow of doubt And everything I'll ever know I swear one more year All my stars will light in a row on for now Just do what you tell me to And don't be afraid of the dark when you're young It's easier if you believe in some It's easier if you believe 
easier if you believe in the light So you're ready if one day it comes To know it's the dark So you won't be a fool if it don't Hold on to your love So you won't end up broken Hold on to your gods And just hope that they know ya Don't be afraid of the dark When you're done If you believe in something It's if you believe in nothing It's if you admit you don't know yourself
if you believe. You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. And that was the Broken Poets here on the Auto D show with Tim McDonald singing lead <laughs> and writing the songs. Uh, another great track. I, I think that's awesome, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of embracing my my uh, melancholy these days. That was part of the, you know, trying to trying to be something I was. And I was trying to uh, joke around about it in between songs when we were playing live this last. I got a lot more comfortable playing live over the last five years, and I'd started to look at myself like, how can I, you know, relax on stage so the audience can relax? And I started watching videos of me, and I remember I I was laughing because I was like. I'm like the uh, Marco Rubio of rock <laughs> because I was, I was leaning down to, if anybody watched the debates, I'm sure they'll remember that. And I always leaning down, nervously grabbing water in between each song. <laughs> so, or in between his, uh, you know, speech. But so I got better at that. And then I started to kind of uh, relax and just uh, poke fun at the fact that my stuff's melancholy. But then it started to turn into shtick. And I'm like, Man, I just, it's not fitting here. And that's why I started the YouTube channel because I just think it's a better, it's a better venue for what I'm doing. So Now, as much as you downplay your music, you know, when we talked about how it's hard to sell it in the club, you've had some success with your music getting placed. Yeah. Uh, you've yeah. had some cool things happen here. I was reading in your bio. Uh, it's all made up. I it's think. all made up. Yeah. yeah, whatever. So I think I even created a section called Song Successes. Here we go. The song Welcome to My Life was selected for a Clear Channel compilation disc. Yeah. I mean, that's head and shoulders above most artists who are just trying to get yeah, things was, going in their career. That was huge, yeah. So I, I had a really lucky break in the 90s and got to work with uh, Robert Scoville. He's a front of house engineer oh, yeah. for Incredible. Um, Tom Petty up until he died, unfortunately. And um Prince, uh, and he's geez. a real authority in the industry. Oh too. man, yeah, great guy, and just uh, learned so much from him. We were so green when he brought us in, and mm-hmm. he was he was uh, recording a lot of bands around town, and not a lot, but he you know picked a few, and he was producing and recording at his studio, Eldon's Boy, and um, man, I just learned so to this day. You know, it's been twenty years now, I think, since all that happened, but to this day, I still find myself. Uh, Doing things that he he taught me. What he taught me the most, I, I really value in my whole uh, career is how to how to make a record mm-hmm. in in the classic sense of the term. Where out of those thirty songs that you think as an artist are so great, you whittle it down to eight or ten and put them all together and a cohesive whole. And each song relates to each other. And I still do that to this day. And whether people just do singles or not, I end up getting three or four singles out of a record because I it unfortunately it takes like two years to do everybody's releasing eps like every other month but mm-hmm. um i just think it's a better way to go you really invest in the songs and the story of the whole um it just brings a different cohesiveness than people mm-hmm. think is you know i just put on another ep and four songs and hopefully they're good but i i just i really am grateful to him that he i owe a lot to that guy but i'm grateful to him that he showed me that without me knowing he was showing me Right, exactly. Back then. Just one of the things you learned by his, yeah. pro- his process. It's like your elders. You look yeah. back and like, gosh, I knew he, and he, he was right. So he produced, basically that was your first record. So right? yeah, Looking for Aldous Huxley was the you know self-titled record. And he just really uh, made a kick-ass record for us and kind of you know produced us. We sounded a lot more like um, 
uh, Dylan and Petty with the uh, Leslie organ and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Had, uh, Tim well, now, Rovnak on keys and right. uh, Michael Gillen was playing bass and um, uh, Tommy McGill was on bass too. Be careful, you're going to forget somebody. I know exactly. You're feel bad. I, exactly. <laughs> if I mention anybody, I, gotta, I think that's it though. Then, but all great players, and I'm grateful to them too for yeah. you know sticking with me. Well, then also there was another song like a year later, um, or a year after the record was released, and maybe this was on the same album, Dying to Tell You? Yeah, so that was another single we did, and when I went to New York, that got picked up for like a ASCAP uh, songwriter showcase, so that was cool. And yeah, he really... That had to kind of make you feel validated. He, he, he made me uh, sound good, you know? And just, I had no idea what uh, recording records was about, but ever since then... I started to, you know, change my whole career, basically. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now, the easiest way for people to get a hold of Broken Poets stuff is how? So brokenpoets.com um, is the main website, and I got a link to anything we're doing on there. And, you know, uh, the music novels link is on there. And, and then the new... Uh, YouTube channel. I'm pretty excited about that. I've reached more people than I ever thought I would. It, it could be a miserable failure too, but at least I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And uh, it's a great new way to express myself. It's kind of created my own venue, I guess. Yeah. Now, how about this one? You also had a record called Reincarnation, which was on uh, yep. Hayden Ferry Records. Hayden Ferry Records. Records. They were right across the yeah. street. Yeah. And uh, that was great. Um, it's nice when a label, you know, picks you up and helps, uh, uh, they had a lot of cool stuff yeah yeah those guys were awesome it was more of a we were kind of a fit in there as a rock band that guy liked the record enough to they liked the record enough to to carry it and dis- distribute it but they were more of a folk label mm-hmm. and uh yeah but it's always nice like uh dominic's label uh, uh onus onus records helped us out in this last record too it's always nice when a label gets involved so uh, yeah, and you mentioned to Dominic for that. Yeah, you, we should just uh, tip a hat to Dominic because we were just talking about him for oh, 20 man. minutes before the show. How he's much an inspiration. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know, he's, so. he's fearless, man. The he, guys, those guys. I saw his uh, uh, Human Torch show for the first time. I've always loved the the Death Row Prison Band, but uh, yeah. He uh, did this Human Torch show that he's been doing for a couple of years. And, man, I was, like, carrying his amp to his car afterwards. <laughs> like a fanboy. <laughs> but he's a he's an inspiring person, man. He's- well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, as a writer, uh, and not just a songwriter, but a prose writer, he has a great ability to, to conjure for, yeah, the, for yeah. the reader. And so I think that there's a certain amount of theater that comes into that. So when he gets on the stage... He's extremely theatrical, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it's just natural for him. Yeah, he was another person I kind of watched to see how they're, you know, uh, reaching the crowd. And, uh, yeah, it's very important you know, just to relax, be yourself, whether, you know, even if you reach, if as long as you can reach just a few people in a genuine way, I think it's more important than trying to reach everybody. So Yeah, I hear you. Well, man, we're running out of time. <laughs> Man, it was great talking with you, Otto. Here's I really the show close stuff. This oh, is nice. where we get kicked off. This was fun. Yeah, really... well, thanks for coming in and sharing the yeah, stuff. Yeah, great studio here, and uh, I'm impressed. It's a neat place. So uh, if people want to get a hold of uh, you guys, the Broken Poets, obviously it's easy to search, and the uh, music for the melancholy. the melancholy on YouTube. Be sure to check that out. Tim, good luck, man. Thanks, Otto. I want to see the next movie where your song is in the credits. I hope she, and the next I hope she helps. <laughs> she doesn't divorce me first. <laughs> there you go. All right, man, take care. Thank you.